the content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Lucian Gauthier, and I am here live with Truth Calkins. Truth Calkins is coming to us from Tucson, Arizona, and Truth is here tonight to talk to us about sugar and sugar alternatives, specifically stevia, which is really a phenomenal sugar alternative, non-glycemic sweetener that many of you are very familiar with in making your smoothies. So, Truth, thanks for joining us and talking to us about sugar, sweet, and what we can do to really optimize taste and health. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Lucian. So, Truth, let's just get into the first part of the interview, which is why refined sugar or these heavy sweeteners that are used in a lot of processed foods, a lot of modern prepackaged foods, and even people who do like baking, you know, like my mom used to bake with refined sugar and butter and flour and, you know, the good old days of, you know, those kind of sweet goodies. Let's talk about why sugar and that glycemic cycle really harms our body and as it relates to insulin. Okay, Lucian. Well, I think we got to go back in history here um, and define sugar to a certain degree. And, you know, sugar is like one of the first foods of life um, in mother's breast milk that nourishes us is high in, in, in lactose. And we develop a natural sweet craving at a young age to consume our mother's breast milk in order to, to nourish us and grow as, 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 as babies into children. And this is natural and this is good. Now in our food kingdom, we have fruits and other complex sugars, um, carbohydrates and some starchy vegetables that are part of our, our plant kingdom. And they've been around for eons and there. They have nutrients in them as well as the macronutrient or sugar carbohydrate. They have trace minerals and, and micronutrients. They also contain a lot of fiber which allows the sugar to only be absorbed slowly in a certain way. So we have a balanced relationship, a healthy balance with sugar up until we get into, you know, past our industrialized times and we get into modern times and we start processing food to make food at a larger level. We start changing things. We start taking out fiber. We start controlling and utilizing sugar more when food becomes more profit-oriented. We start using sugar in different kinds of sugars. And just to, you know, go over some numbers about this, turn of the century, we consumed an average of 15 grams of sugar a day from food, like um, World War II times, goes up to around 20 grams. Say 1980, goes up to like 30 grams of fructose. Fast forward here to like 1994, we're up to 55 grams of fructose um, a day for the average person. Now today, we're up to 75 grams of sugar, a lot of that being fructose, high fructose corn syrup, which I'll mention a little bit later. That's about 25% of the daily calories. So according to the statistics, we all weigh, on average, every person in the Western world weighs 25 pounds more today than we did 25 years ago. Women are eating 335 more calories per day than they did 20 years ago. 
And so, like, we can say, like, where is all this coming from, all this, all this sugar? Well, soda pop is a big one. I had to just pick one for the modern masses. And uh, one can of soda, you know, started maybe it was a six-ounce soda can before World War II, and then they came out with, like, a, a, a 10-ounce after World War II with the first vending machines, and then the 12-ounce and the 16-ounce, and now we're up to, like, the 20-ounce. You know, starting off with the original can of soda probably had 10 grams or 10 teaspoons of sugar per per soda. Now we're we're looking at we're looking at a lot more. So now which there's there's something called the sweetener index, and there's different sugars have a different amount of sweetness. Like glucose, which is a healthier sugar, that's the main sugar energy that the um, source that the body can use, is 75 on this scale. Sucrose, which is stronger sugar, that's half fructose and half glucose, that would be like in a glass of orange juice. Sucrose is 100 on the sweetener index. High fructose corn syrup is 120. And then crystallized lab fructose, which some people are using now, is 173, hypersweet. So high fructose corn syrup is something the Japanese invented in 1966 and hit the U.S. market in 1975. It's pretty much about economics. It's, it's half the price of sugar. And sugar has, even when fructose came out and is still out, Sugar has maintained pretty much the same price range, but high fructose corn syrup is so much cheaper. So it's been used in a lot of sodas. We get to like the early 80s, and the Heart Association starts telling people that we have to reduce eating fats, and we've got to go from 40% fat to 30% fat in our diet. So what do people do when they stop eating fat? Like when we look at all the fat-free cookies and other foods that came out, you'll see that the fat drops several grams, on the nutritional facts sheet, but you'll see that the carbohydrates go up. Some from more sugar in the food and some from more carbohydrates in general. And we're finding that these refined carbohydrates, especially because there's so much fructose in these foods, that the fructose converts into, into bad fats. About 30% of fructose turns to fat in the body. There's a whole host of things that fructose does that's not natural when you process it and you start consuming a lot of it. It increases uric acid production, it lowers your nitric oxide production. But this increase in fat is what happens is it's affecting the LDLs, cholesterol. Now most people don't know this, but they just, when they think about checking their cholesterol, think about LDL and then they maybe think about HDL. HDL is good and we want that up. We want the LDL to be pretty down. Now the truth is you need to, to look a little closer because there's two different types of LDL, and they're hard to test separately, so, so most people don't test them or don't even know about them. There's two different particle sizes of low-density lipoprotein of LDL. There's particle A, which is uh, a large, buoyant particle, which is not damaging to the body, and there's particle size B, which is small, and it's dense, and it's heavy, and it's the one that gets trapped underneath the endothelial cells in with plaque, and it can be so dangerous. And most people don't know the difference between particle B A and particle B with LDL cholesterol, and it's very hard to check. The best way doctors say to know the difference is, is to look for the markers. If, if your triglycerides are high and your HDL is low, that would indicate that of your LDL cholesterol, that the particle B, which is damaging, is going to be much higher, and the particle A that's, that's, not as, that's, that's neutral is going to be much lower. 
And um, the problem is with all the sugar and all of the cheap sugar, the, the high fructose corn syrup, which is in pretty much everything in the supermarket today, from bread to ketchup to to mustard to to um, you know just about everything. Um, the, the fructose is actually 30% of it converts to these to, to bad fats, and it's going against the whole notion of the the, the low fat diet that was you know so promoted from the 80s on so this is you know a really interesting thing we're consuming an average of 150 pounds of sugar a year the average person it's a lot of sugar and i don't know how much of that is fructose but i would say a lot of it is like 75 percent and fructose is it's really quite toxic because the brain doesn't register it like another sugar like like with glucose your brain can register that you've had sugar. It'll send a message to the hypothalamus, and you'll know when to stop eating. You'll get central satiety, but you won't with fructose. It, the, the lower you consume it, the more the brain doesn't learn how to how to stop eating it. So we have this big increase in sugar, this big increase in carbohydrates that's going up and up and up, and we have a lot of doctors talking about what it's leading to. And one term that came out about 10 years ago that I like, a good word, it's called diabetes, and this is a combination of the results of, you know, a lot of doctors' belief who are getting into the nutritional side of things today. It's cause coming from this excess sugar and carbohydrates. We have weight gain. We have increased diabetes. We have increased insulin resistance, increased metabolic syndrome, increased inflammation in the body. So the obesity is not really a medical condition. That's why doctors don't really treat it because insurance companies aren't going to pay for that. It's lifestyle. It's your choice. And, you know, most people are kind of like, well, if you're obese, it's tough luck. That's just your problem. And, you know, and a lot of people think, you know, it's just, it's just calorie per calorie. I have to, I have to stop eating. I have to eat less food and I have to exercise more to burn the calories. And that makes sense in a petri dish, calorie in, calorie out. But when you look at the human body and the different types of foods we eat, the way our hormones react to them are different depending on the food groups that we consume. And it changes the way we store energy and the way we release energy and how we lose weight and how we gain weight. So, you know, our high sugar and carbohydrate consumption is really becoming an energy storage disease, according to some of the, the really pro doctors that are getting nutritionally oriented with lifestyle change using diet to, to combat these, these symptoms of diabetes and weight gain, increased heart disease and insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, inflammation. So food energy triggers production of insulin. So when we consume sugar and carbohydrates, we produce insulin from the beta cells in the pancreas, and then that helps the body regulate energy storage. And if we consume just modest amounts, we make some glycogen, and the body stores a certain amount of glycogen and fat and muscle tissue, and we use it for the quickest source of energy on demand to burn. The problem comes when we start consuming the excess when we in excess, when we start consuming too much sugar, too much carbohydrates, it's the the glycogen stores fill up quick, and then it turns over into energy storage and it, start, and it stores as body fat. And when this happens over and over and over again, the beta cells in the pancreas they lose their sensitivity to the response, and they start making more and more insulin, and you're growing more and more body fat. So over time, as we continue eating more sugar, more carbs. And we keep hitting the beta cells in the pancreas to make more insulin. And we're taking in much more 
I mean, this really comes down to the fact that we eat too much and we have so much food available to us at everywhere that we, we're overeating all the time. And because we don't know what kind of foods we're eating and how it affects us, a lot of it today in commercial food is so high in carbohydrate and sugar. So all of this excess food and so much of it being carbohydrate and sugar is hitting the pancreas over and over again, slamming the beta cells, just spurring the body on to make more and more insulin and you're making way more than you need for glycogen stores to the energy output the average person has in their daily activity levels. So what is done with the excess energy? It has to go somewhere. It starts going to the secondary organ that you're growing, this body fat. And this body fat grows and grows and grows. And over time, you have a condition. Your fat is starving the rest of your body. And it requires so much energy to run that fat that it's sending messages for you to eat more food and you're eating more food because it needs more insulin to run, and that insulin's going and storing more body fat, and you're getting into this loop. The, the medical doctors that really talk about nutrition, they call this the spiral of death because it's a, it's a loop that, that people can't get out of. And um, it's very, very addictive. And you lose that, that message to the hypothalamus to tell you when you're full, when you get into this loop, and when you're consuming more carbohydrates, uh, more of them being from fructose, it makes it even worse. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really difficult thing. Now, from my experience is what I found. I noticed weight loss. I noticed people who did have, like, type 2 diabetes. I noticed how these people responded so well to taking them off carbohydrates and sugar almost completely. And I learned this by accident through the body ecology diet. I got into the body ecology diet through Candida. Um, I didn't have weight problems or, or you know, anything like this. I knew I I overdid sugar and carbs at certain times, and I didn't know why, and that was due to, you know, yeast cravings, but it's really, really big and connected with um, weight gain today and the average amount, the average person that eats so much sugar and so much carbs. So trying to break this is, is a tricky thing for a lot of people. Just exercising alone is not going to do it. You have to cut out the carbohydrates. You have to cut them down drastically. Now, if you are a really healthy person and you're not overweight and you exercise and you're active a lot and you've never lost your your brain signals for how much food is the natural amount so that you, you can eat some sugars and you've never allowed candida to overgrow in your body by overdoing antibiotics and other things that can contribute to that, then you can eat healthy amounts of sugar and you'll make some glycogen and you'll usually make just enough to store energy from eating natural sugars like raw honey or some complex carbohydrates like, like whole grains um, and some, a little bit of starchy vegetables like yams here and there, a little bit of fruit here and there. These foods also contain the fiber, which helps slow down the absorption. And you store just enough sugar that you have your glycogen for energy release. But today when the food is processed and the fiber is out and there's so much carbohydrates and so much sugar, so refined and designed to hit reward chemicals and taste sensitive sense of effects in the body that we start to eat more and more and more and we start to live to eat and we don't have enough activity to burn it off the energy has to go somewhere this is an energy storage condition and it, it goes to growing the body fat which is now going to tell you that you need more insulin it's going to make you eat more food and it, you're basically going to lose the natural signal for hunger and appetite you're you're going to You'll only feel satiated if you reach stretch receptor limit in the stomach, meaning if you eat until you're full and stuffed and your stomach is tight, then you'll finally say, okay, I'm done. I've had enough food. 
And at that point, the person feels like they have a bottomless pit. And all that food energy is going to insulin, which is going to feed the fat. And then when you're done, it wants more, and it's going to tell you to do it again, and it's a loop. Meantime, the vital organs of your body are being starved of true nutrition. And that's the vicious feedback loop that people get into that are dealing with weight gain today. The sweetener I want to talk about today, stevia, this, I first heard of this from reading the Body Ecology Diet about 12, 13 years ago. I was stopping all sugar from my diet and lifestyle abruptly after reading that book, and I tried making teas and adding a little stevia to her recommendation and found how potently sweet and how pleasant it was to like a, like one of my favorite teas was American ginseng with, with cinnamon in it. It's a nice sweet, so it's like spicy tea. And just adding a few drops of stevia turned it into like a dessert treat for someone that's trying to wean out sugar and carbs from their lifestyle and they want a treat, you know, like a dessert after dinner or something. I'd make a cup of tea and use stevia. I also learned about stevia from South American herbs, from some of the Paraguay herbs from Brazil, trying to come to terms with fungal infections. I came across powder arco. I came across the inner lone strain of, of purple apacho. Um, this is the most powerful form of powder arco, which is the, the tallest rainforest tree in South America, and it lives in a very moldy part of the world. It has very naturally antifungal compounds it releases to protect itself from its moldy bacteria-ridden environment that it lives in. So the indigenous people have used the inner loam shavings of the bark of this tree. They've used it for since time immemorial as a, as a health tea, and it's very anti-inflammatory because it's very antibacterial, antiviral, anti-infection throughout the whole body systemically. And I found the medicinal doses of that was a lifesaver with the amount of fungus and inflammation that I was dealing with, and I've used it at the tonic bar on and off for years. For healthy people, not much of a, a reaction, but for people who are dealing with systemic inflammation, usually caused in conjunction with systemic low-grade chronic infections like candida and things like this, it's a, like a miracle when they drink powder arco. It's not just one tea bag. It doesn't do anything. You have to saturate your body and drink large amounts. So I came across what they call honey leaf, and this is stevia. They used it in Paraguay for ages, and they would just take one leaf of stevia, um, or they would call it sweet herb in their language, and they would throw it into a, a like a whole gallon pot of your mate. Your mate is like the liquid vegetable of South America. It's their green tea. And it has a little caffeine, has matin, but it's very nutritious, very high in minerals and vitamins naturally occurring in your mate, but it's a little bitter. So they use stevia as a natural sweetener to combat the, the bitterness in, in, in their herbs like, like your mate. These herbs are so nice to learn how to use herbal teas like this. We're talking about a really healthy group of people in South America that actually ate mostly animal protein, cooked animal protein, a lot of it. That's a really acidic diet. That's a really high uric acid diet. But they didn't get gout and they didn't get, you know, health problems because they consumed so much tea. They consumed yerba mate constantly all through the day. Just like in southern China, they consumed magical grass, gynostema. Yerba mate was the South American herb and it's so alkaline and it has so much nutrition. It counterbalances the, the high acidic protein diet that they lived on. And the sweetener of choice was stevia honey leaf, and they also used more stevia in medicinal batches of some of their herbs when they would use uh, powder arco with South American licorice pepper, which is very cleansing to the colon and releasing. They use it for colds and flus, and then they'll add in 
yerba mate as a as a catalyst, just a small amount to the to a large dose of powder arco to potentiate the powder arco to make it stronger, and then they'd add in a good dose of of, of stevia, and that that makes it taste delicious. But they believe stevia had functions to improve digestion and pancreatic functions, which is interesting because stevia has no calories, it has no sugar, it tastes stronger than sugar, and it's in its unrefined form, like in a whole leaf stevia, it's maybe 10 times stronger than, than, than sugar in its sweetness, but it actually seems to have a beneficial effect in the major organ concerned with the pathway of, of most sugars, which is the pancreas and insulin response in the beta cells. So stevia is a really interesting herb. I was amazed when I first tried it that I'd not heard of it, that how, I, you know, of course, I tried the, the more clear, semi-refined stevias that were available on the market when I first started taking stevia. Amazing how something with such only a few tiny drops can taste so sweet, and you can really doctor up anything. You can take, you can take plain milk kefir, and you can just put a few drops of, like, uh, stevia or, or vanilla stevia. They have flavored stevias that are really good. And you can just put a few drops of that and stir it in, and all of a sudden you have like a custard dessert, like a frozen yogurt from a fast food joint. Amazing. So for people that are really trying to lower the sugar and the carbohydrates, stevia is really an amazing herb. And it's been here, and I think it's been kind of hidden in the, in the, the dietary herbal supplement section of health food stores. It's a great sweetener because, you know, you can make cookies like, you know, Uncle Eddie's vegan cookies was one of the binge foods that would that would tug on me when I was struggling with the BED in the early years. And it's a healthy cookie. They use, you know, whole wheat flour, and they don't use a trans fat oil. It's probably bleached and deodorized. They use cane sugar, so it's an organic sugar, and, you know, chocolate chips. And, you, and they're, they're like real chocolate chip cookies. They're really good. But when you make it, if you decided to make it with quinoa flour and with coconut oil, and then if like a little lacanto or xylitol or, or, and, and then stevia to sweeten it, you could actually make a super healthy cookie. I made a healthy chocolate for years that I made up at the tonic bar, and we used stevia and xylitol. And it was uh, cacao with no sugar at all that people could do on the BED, or the people who were trying to lower carbohydrates, sugar, or lose weight, or improve diabetes, um, can, can make foods without real sugar and use a natural plant sweetener like this and not have to deal with those those carbohydrates and those sugars. So stevia is um, it's a pretty pretty amazing thing. So we got creative at using flavored stevias in certain amounts and different drinks so that we could make drinks taste good. Because I also found that Ron Tea Garden's number one rule, which is compliance, is a very important rule. If you don't make drinks taste good or herbs taste good, no one's going to take them, and if you don't take them, they can't help you. So thank you so much, Street. That was a fantastic explanation of the various aspects of sugar-related issues with our body. And as most of our listeners are probably thinking, what alternative sweetener can I use so I don't get caught in that cycle of, you know, insulin response? And, you know, we carry a number of different alternative sweeteners. We've got banana flakes, banana powder. One of the staples for you that I know making the tonic drinks all these years has been stevia. And now recently we're carrying the company Omika Organics, their stevia, which is a very unique stevia. It's unlike any other stevia that's come into the market because this is not reconstituted from powder. Can you explain a little bit for our listeners what makes that type of stevia ideal, one that's not constituted from powder or reconstituted from powder? You know, stevia is definitely my 
my top favorite sweetener. That's why I use it in all of the bar drinks because, you know, sometimes I do use real sugar, Lucian, once in a while for certain occasions. But all the drinks have been designed for maximum health to reach the widest audience of everybody. And most people have too much sugar, too much inflammation, too much candida and stuff. It's amazing. And that's why all the tonic bar people that I work with, they're experts at knowing how to use stevia with superfoods and tonic herbs and elixirs so that we have that no insulin effect and we have, but we can get that great flavor. Now, all the stevia is available out in the market up till now. As amazing as stevia is, and we've had it available in the, you know, um, they're in these slightly processed, well, they're in these slightly processed forms so that they're in a clear liquid or sometimes they're in a white powder. Once in a while, you can find a whole extracted stevia leaf. It's in a syrup liquid or a stevia tea bag that comes from Paraguay, from South America. And the whole leaf is very different. It's licorice it's still sweet, and it's probably more nutritious as an overall plant because it's full spectrum. But the processed extracts, the semi-processed extracts, are what we use in the tonics. All of those processed extracts available, all of those liquid processed extracts, because we mostly use liquid, they are reconstituted from a powder back into a liquid. So there's more loss of the original source plant in this fashion. And there's more aftertaste and stuff like this. And they do have to preserve it. And there's grapefruit seed extract or there's a, a cheap alcohol or a glycerin, these kinds of things. And most companies will use always play it on the safe side and use more of an undesirable preservative or a toxic filler or something in something that you don't want, like in the powders or whatever. One neat thing I have to say that's, gotten all the rage lately with the liquid stevias are the ability of these different flavors. That's been really neat in elixir making um, because we can get more creative with, with, with a lot of our ice creams and smoothies and elixir drinks. But people start getting used to the stevia who do like it. And some of our drinks require pretty high doses of a very concentrated, slightly processed extract. And I'm really pleased to say the quality of the stevia has classified to be... Um, a food-grade item. Stevia normally has only been sold in supplement sections of health food stores up to the um, up until just a year ago. The whole time it's been available that I've used it. It has never been allowed to be put into an herbal product or into a food that's sold because it's a dietary supplement. So we have to use it separately and add it on to our elixirs. But now, certain stevias that hit the right classification of stevia sites can be um, sold as a sweetener. Can't make any claims. Now, it's not a supplement. It's just a sweetener. But the great thing is it's not in the classification of dietary supplement. It gives us more freedom to play with it. But that alone, whether you know we go into that realm or not, the thing that matters to me is that someone is offering stevia that is not reconstituted from powder back into liquid. It's a fresh, straight extract in a liquid. It's actually a slightly different variety of the leaf, um, which has slightly different aroma, a slightly different taste, and a slightly better potency. Um, so we're getting a stevia that has never been reconstituted from powder back into liquid. It's a pure, first-generation, straight extract. And because of the quality levels that they have at Omeka, they decided to minimize the filterization the processing and the heat involved. This is a this is another type of extract. We've never had this before. It's, it's never been reconstituted from powder back into liquid. It's a straight, minimal heat, minimal processing, minimal filterization. And if you look really closely at it, you can see this because there's a slight a slight color to it, a slight cloudiness, a slight golden amber color. And if you smell it or when you taste it, there's actually a slight 
uh, aroma. There's like a natural kind of orange blossom and slight cinnamon flavor. It's hard to describe. But this is the grade of the stevia. This is the, the variety of the leaf plus the minimal aspect of processing. Um, now, the potency is amazing. Uh, one drop, like like normally for a, a simple cup of tea, you might put, you know, for the regular stevia extract, someone on the BED who doesn't mind the taste of stevia and they're getting uh, used to it, you know, five to eight drops for a cup of tea. With this product, just one, one drop will, will make it great. Um, the first time I took it, I just put a drop on my hand and I licked it with my tongue and I... My brain went, whoa, I've never had anything like that before. That is incredibly smooth, incredibly soft and light. Really sweet, yes, but less aftertaste. And again, it's because of this roboticide balancing of the A, B, C levels to get down the, the, the that, that kind of second hit, slightly bitter aftertaste, but yet keep a really pure, nice, sweet Front taste on the on the on the the, the flavor level of, of how of taking the product, which is really important. It's really great, and I hope it makes stevia. I hope it puts stevia in better favor with a lot of people who maybe don't like stevia. There's a lot of purists that um, are not concerned with doing a natural sugar. They want it in an organic whole form, and you know, organic sugars like honey are amazing substances, and the enzymes present are great, but you're still talking about 98% sugar, and for a lot of people, that's a problem. Um, so I hope a lot of non-stevia lovers may get converted by this product, because the purity is there, and the flavor is better, and the, the aftertaste is much less, um, which is really great. And the key that it's, it's no calories... You can add this to anything so quick and easy. Now, because this extract is less filtered and it has the minimal preservative, commercial glycerins, there's no citric acid, there's no benzoic acid, there's none of these other non-labeled byproducts, these toxic tagalongs, as some people call it, great term, um, in this product. Very clean, very pure. Um, makes for a great flavor. It makes for great use. The only the only slight downside is that because the product is less filtered and it is very fresh and pure and it has minimal preservative, you have to refrigerate it. Um, I think that's a small small price to pay for the quality of the product. You know, when you're not using it, you should keep it keep it cool, keep it keep it in the fridge. It comes in a glass bottle, you know, and it's not these plastic bottles. Um, the less plastic we all know, the better. So I'm I'm really pleased that the stevia is available. I was I knew this was a whole nother level as soon as I tasted it the very first time, and immediately I started thinking, wow, this is going to make the drinks that we do better, and uh, that's great. And I like to be able to do that and to be able to comply, comply with very minimal insulin effect, very minimum inflammation, very minimum sugar candida, all of these other factors from sweeteners are pretty intense, and some of the herbs that we use um, at the potency, the way I've designed a lot of um, the elixirs and ice creams and tonics that I've made over the years, they are pretty sophisticated and they are pretty concentrated. They can be pretty potent. But if I use the right other co-ingredients, I make it the right way, and then the finishing touch, the icing on the cake is the right stevia, the right kind. Now, Mika at this point is offering two flavors. They have plain and vanilla. The vanilla stevia is amazing, just that very soft extra flavor of vanilla. Putting it in green drinks, especially the vanilla, is amazing. Different ice creams, like just taking any kind of colostrum or whey protein powder, putting it with ice in the Vitamix, and adding like a little substanch and like a half teaspoon organic vanilla bean powder. And you pound that up to a thick ice cream, a little bit of oil, like some Andreas Fresh Mist Flax oil, and then you add like... You know, try two, three, four, five drops of 
the Omica, um, vanilla stevia, and I call it the vanilla Picasso because it's got it's got organic vanilla bean powder, which if you use too much, it's got a bite and a kick, and it's just too strong. But if you use just enough, and then you blend it with 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 a processed stevia, you know, a clear stevia, but vanilla flavored. But of course, this stevia is much less processed. It's really a great pure product. So you've got vanilla stevia and organic vanilla bean. And then you've got your whey protein powder to fill it out to give it the ice cream gel with the ice and the oil. You can make the most incredible vanilla ice cream. But you can never do it in my book. I couldn't pull it off without a vanilla stevia, high quality stevia product. And that's, I think that's just good news for everybody who loves elixirs and tonics and ice creams because we can make them better and we can make them taste amazing. And, you know, a lot of the other drinks that I do have so many herbs and they're so strong and we're getting into roasted maca and cacao powder and a lot of gin tonic herbs that are highly extracted. The potency gets strong. Like with the $18,000 smoothie that's such a big hit, there's no way I could ever pull that off without stevia. So I'm really pleased that the amount of stevia that a lot of my customers have been consuming over the years can be now a higher grade. And now that I can use a little bit of a better stevia with less aftertaste. And I can get exactly the drink that I want. It's it's a fine art when I get into the level of work I've been doing over the years with this kind of um, elixir making and, and tonics. So I'm very pleased to have this stevia available, and I hope everyone else can experiment with it and enjoy it too.